The scripture lesson for our sermon this evening comes to us from Psalm chapter 51, verses 1 through 17. We have heard it twice already in some fashion, both in our confession and the spirit of this psalm embodied the anthem we just heard. And let us hear now directly from the scripture itself. Have mercy on me, O God. According to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me of my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart. O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God. You who are God, my Savior, and my tongue will sing of your righteousness. Open my lips, Lord, and my mouth will declare your praise. You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, O God, will not despise. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. And together we say, thanks be to God. Ash Wednesday is a very different service. Like our Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday service, it has that somber tone to it, where together we come to recognize and remember our own mortality. And so with that in mind, I would like to preach from the subject, the sacrifice God chooses. Will you pray with me? Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer, we thank you for your word. May it always be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all God's people said, Amen. Do you remember the soliloquy from Act 4, Scene 4, in Shakespeare's tragedy, Hamlet? I know that might seem like a random reference, but it is one that I'm drawn to on every Ash Wednesday or really any time I'm contemplating my own mortality. How all occasions do inform against me and spur my dull revenge. What is a man if the chief good and market of his time be but to sleep and feed? A beast, no more. Sure, he that hath made us with such large discourse, looking before and after, gave us not that capability and godlike reason to fust in us unused. Now, whether it be bestial oblivion or some craven scruple of thinking too precisely on the event, a thought which courted half one part wisdom and three parts coward, I do not know why yet I live to say these things to do, but shall not do them when I have the strength and means to do it. 
That's where my memory gives out after the first quarter. Now, the reason why this soliloquy particularly plagues my memory is because I know it like the local car commercial jingles that you hear over and over as a child, and they just stick with you. And I had to memorize the entire soliloquy for my 12th grade AP English class. And that's all about I've got left. And that was just a quarter of it. But I paused there because I'm drawn to these lines of Shakespeare every year due to the fact that it reminds me of Ash Wednesday. Every year I find myself reflecting on this soliloquy from Hamlet where Hamlet, the main character, is struggling with his lack of action against the person who has killed his father and caused great anguish to he and his family. As this speech begins, he's watching an army go out into a meaningless battle over an unimportant patch of land. And he's thinking to himself, these men take action for what they believe in, even if it's meaningless to everyone else. And he turns inward and he realizes that he's been on the sidelines of his own life. Too scared to act, unwilling to do anything meaningful. Hamlet is rhetorically asking himself, what is the point of human existence if it's all just to sleep and feed like an animal? He suggests that God, who created humanity, gave him the power to, to think both for the past and the future and to reason. And God did not give humanity the ability to think and to reason just for it to rot away inside of us being unused. Hamlet wonders whether he hesitates to act out of an animal-like simplicity or if it's that he is cowardly overthinking. Either way, he says he doesn't know why he's still alive and is able to talk about something that he knows he should do, but unable to do it. And every year on Ash Wednesday, I find myself asking the same questions. I, like you, am mortal. I'm finite. One day I will die. From ashes we were born, to ashes we will return. But there's this momentary existence that we each get to inhabit. The length is different for each of us, but the questions are the same. What is the point of having the God-given ability to think and to reason if all we're going to do is sleep and feed? Or in 2021, I might add, spend the majority of our waking hours staring at a TV or scrolling social media. Why, if we know what we ought to do with ourselves, do we live as if we ought to do the opposite? Is it because we're scared? Is it because we overthink it? Today, we reflect inwardly. And we ask ourselves these questions on Ash Wednesday because in a few weeks, on Easter Sunday, we will remember again that our lives have far more meaning than just a dash between a set of years. We're beginning a new series today, right now, that will run the length of Lent. 
In this series, the sermons and all the worship services, the two new classes on Thursday and Sunday, the devotional guides, they are all pointing us towards the cross. That's the name of the series, the cross. Every year, we arrive there on Good Friday. And every year, we journey beyond it on Easter Sunday. And often we spend a lot of time celebrating the victory of the cross. We spend a lot of time celebrating the good news of Easter Sunday. But we spend very little time asking why. Why did the cross have to happen? Or what? What actually happened on the cross and the events that led up to it? Or how? How did God use the cross to grant us a life that has much more meaning than that of a beast that sleeps and feeds? In short, we're going to spend the next six weeks trying to understand the nuance, understanding the nuances and the significance of the way Jesus died. And to kick off this series and for the remainder of the sermon, I want to lay the foundation and say that it all revolves around evil. Evil is in this world, and that is undeniable. Whether you see it on the news, whether you see it in your schools, in your workplaces, or wherever it may be, evil is a real and present reality. And we are all marred by the stains of evil because we have all sinned. We've all committed evil actions. We've all held evil intents. We've even perpetuated evil by our inactions. And we believe that there will be a time where God will rid the world of all evil, which puts humanity in a predicament. If God's going to rid the world of evil, He'll have to rid the world of us as well because we are all tangled up in it. In the Old Testament, the way that the Israelites thought that they could get out of this entanglement was through ritual purification. They would try to follow God's laws and God's commands to be righteous, and when they failed, they would participate in practices that would purify themselves. That's what the psalm that we just read earlier is describing. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before you. Against you, you only God have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. The Psalms and the other parts of the Old Testament, they spend a great deal of time discussing how one can be made pure. The purification included blood from a sacrifice, like a lamb or a dove. They believed that the blood represented life, and by offering another life to God, God would spare theirs, and they would be purified by that sacrifice. However, it didn't end up working out quite the way they hoped it would. Throughout the Old Testament, we are offered stories about how the Israelites continued to fail and continued to break God's law. They continued to do evil. Eventually, the prophets tell us that their sacrifices become meaningless that God would no longer receive them because they had turned their hearts away from Him. And so God came up with a new plan. God sent Jesus as the suffering servant who gave His life as a ransom for many. 
We call this ransom the atonement. Christ's death was the atoning sacrifice that covered the debt of all humans for all the evil that we have done. His death atoned for our sins and also purified us with His blood because blood is still the symbol of life, but the blood of the perfect sacrifice is the gateway to new and everlasting life. And even more exciting is the fact that Jesus' death was not His final act. He rose from the dead and is still alive today so that anyone who wants to be atoned for their sins, who wants forgiveness for the evil they have done or participated in, they can find that forgiveness in Jesus Christ. The good news is that the new and everlasting life that Jesus offers is available to all who seek it. And this new life is a gift. It's a blessing. It's a chance to participate in the kingdom of heaven, to glimpse eternity. It's a chance to help others experience the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. Because our lives are meant for more than motions. They're, they're meant for more than just sleeping and eating and scrolling. Our lives are meant for more than fear and hesitation. They are meant for something meaningful. They are meant to do something meaningful. Because of Jesus Christ, our lives are worth more than we could ever imagine. I don't know what you think your life is worth. But to God, it was worth everything. God sent His Son who died on the cross because your life has meaning. Because you matter. And so throughout this season of Lent, we will explore together how the cross of Jesus Christ makes this a true reality. Why did it happen this particular way? And what does it mean? What Jesus' atonement accomplishes and how it is still impacting the world today. And I hope you will be with us each Sunday as we journey to the cross together. I hope you will join one of our Linton classes. I hope you will pick up a devotion on the way out as we make this Linton experience all that it can possibly be. But as we come to the altar tonight, we do so in full recognition that all the things we have to celebrate on Easter Sunday, all the things we look forward to, they are only possible because of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Today we remember that we are not God. And that apart from God, we are dust. We were born from the earth, and our bodies will one day return to the earth. And so today we reflect on that reality. Tonight, we remember that without God, we are nothing. Tonight, we recognize our need for the divine and our own human limitations. Because it is only in realizing the ways in which we are limited, only by remembering our finitude, that we can see just how precious the cross really is.
In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.